welcome to the first edition of this yet-to-be-named podcast. I'm Scott Huffman, Fantasy Football League Commissioner and host of today's inaugural episode. This is a podcast about a single Fantasy Football League and its members. If you are looking for a podcast providing quality fantasy advice from industry professionals, you have not found the right place. However, if you are intrigued to hear about our league and live vicariously through its managers, then stick around and give us a listen. A couple managers in our league wanted a new outlet to drive conversations about the happenings of our dynasty league, and podcasting seemed worth a shot. Hopefully this leads to quality banter and rich conversations along the way. I am joined today by Conrad, one of the current league managers and 2014 champion. How's it going, Conrad? It's going pretty well. I'm glad we're starting to do this, and yeah, should be fun. Yeah, good deal. I'm excited about it as well. I'm realizing not only do we not have a name for this podcast yet, but after about 10 years of this league existing, it's still just simply referred to as the league or league bias. We have never came up with a meaningful name to it. That's probably something <laughs> we should work on, eh? <laughs> uh, yeah. It, it, least... might make, it might make naming a podcast a little easier if the league had a name. That's true. Yeah. All right, so I think our main topic today is going to be our rookie draft that occurred about two weeks ago. We haven't had a chance since then to debrief or do this podcast, so we're going to do that first, and then maybe if we can get a season preview in, podcast in before the start of the season, even though that's this coming Thursday, we'll just see what happens from there. But a quick rundown on our league for any listeners who are not affiliated with our league, as well as for any affiliated with our league who doesn't pay attention uh the league started in 2011 <laughs> as a redraft league uh we converted to a dynasty league ahead of the 2018 season and pretty sure all of us have been enjoying that quite a bit it's been a move we enjoyed and dynasty is really our focus now um our rookie drafts include non-rostered veterans as well so it's not just purely a rookie draft it's a 10 team dynasty league half ppr scoring Starting rosters are one QB, so no super flex, two running backs, two wide receivers, one tight end, two flex, uh, kicker and defensive special teams are still in there. Uh, we have 25 spots total, so that gives us 15 bench spots to work with. So with that said, let's just get into talking about our draft, how things went, uh, guys we liked, guys we thought fell, uh, people who had good drafts, people who had bad drafts, and We'll just roll from there. So I think our first topic is going to be, in our opinions, the biggest riser in the draft. And this is can be based on uh, our personal rankings or used Yahoo, ESPN, whoever's rankings, um, any professional rankings for that too. Me personally, I tend to put together my own rankings based off of various other rankings that are out there. So that's what all my numbers will be to. But I think I'll kick to you, Conrad, to start. Who is one of your biggest risers you saw in the draft? Guys that got drafted higher than you thought they would. People I saw drafted higher than I thought they yeah. would. Uh, first one that stood out to me was C.D. Lamb. Okay. I did not see that. Yep. So for reference, Especially... he went number two overall in our draft. So he got 
Edward Talher obviously went first, and then went first. Dan, and yeah, then Dan took C.D. Lamb number two. Surprise! Everybody assumed I didn't see it as a thing of need for the person who drafted him, mm-hmm. but I thought it was a tricky, smart play. So yeah, yeah. Because I was the, a little surprised you know, you, by it. it. It was one of those things. If you want the player, you reach out and you grab him. So yeah, yeah. I was a little surprised just from the fact that Dan, who was picking number two, lives in Wisconsin. So I figured he'd be pretty familiar <laughs> with Jonathan Taylor, the Wisconsin running back. So, <laughs> me too. But hey, CD Lamb's still a good player as the top receiver in this group. So I don't blame him for the pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, who else did you have? Who went? Because he went about where I thought uh, CD Lamb would go mm. was Jerry Judy. <laughs> mm, yeah. So I almost feel like I'm picking on Dan here. Yeah, but... So you thought Judy went went higher than he should have, huh? Slightly higher. Okay, oh, no, I thought Jerry Judy would go like number eight. Okay. But, yep. Well, so he went where he went. Yep, he went number thought, six yeah. to Dan. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, he went right on, so that's not a huge riser. Yep, that's about where I had Judy, I think. So. Yeah. Yeah. But I also had C.D. Lamb going like right there in the seven eight yeah. area. Yeah. So. But kind of on that point, though, just for reference too, when you think about it, I mean. When you factor in values of picks, obviously the difference in the value of a pick in the first round, just moving one or two spots is a lot greater than, say, right. a third, fourth, fifth round, you know, where 10 spots different there might be the same as being, you know, four spots different if you're in the first round or whatever. So any little fluctuation right. in that first round can be quite a difference. So I think you have a point to call that. Yeah. I think a couple for me, then we can get back to a couple beers. Mine first right off the top. And I don't mean to pick on Jacob in this one, but there's going to be a couple spots where I do. Uh, at pick number 24, so the third round, he picked Equanimous St. Brown, the Green Bay Packers receiver. I did not expect to hear him announce that pick. I was, I even was slow typing the name because no. I was like, seriously? That that yeah. one? He should not be mastered. Well, uh, no, honestly, I I was going to try to sneak him in on the back end of the draft like in the fifth round yeah so i so i was very surprised to hear him called then yeah and i think yeah it may end up paying dividends for him Um, yeah we'll see what happens there but i certainly thought pick 24 is pretty expensive for st brown one yeah there were some other pretty good players on the board there you look uh one pick after that travis took brian edwards who i think is a major sleeper there with the raiders so, big rookie. Yeah. Yeah, good rookie. And right after that, Travis took Jamison Crowder. Who yeah, that too. Get, which, yeah, PPR, he has, he's going to get he, he's gonna get. He targeted. has really the only valuable position on the Jets. Yeah. <laughs> real, real football <laughs> roster, which is the slot receiver. So, yeah. Because yep. Adam uh, Gase yeah. basically yeah. builds around that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't trust any Adam Gase players. That's for sure. But I trust Crowder. That's about yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> I think uh, my second biggest riser, and maybe this one will get a reaction out of you because it's one of your draft picks. But AJ Dillon, you took him at pick number 12. And my personal rankings, I had him as number 22 on my board. So he went 10 picks, a full round since we're a 10 team league ahead of where I thought he would go. Was that a matter yeah. of you just. Obviously, you have Aaron Jones, and we kind of got that Packers backfield. You just wanted to lock that down and not have to 
worry about waiting on him in the second or in the third round. Yes. I didn't want anyone to try to snag him in the middle to end of the second round. Mm-hmm. And I had already traded back a couple times, acquired some stuff that I wanted mm-hmm. or that I needed. And um, yeah, so some players yeah. rostered him up. Yeah, okay. So, Fair enough, like you said. Yep. You so, I, you- so I reached out, I grabbed him, and yeah. I, I didn't rate anybody who went between then and when I picked again yeah. that much higher than him. Okay, so. yep. My thing there was just, not, I mean, maybe not this year. Like this yeah. year, he may not be as valuable, but in yeah, the long run, yeah, he'll he'll be good for. Yeah, me. I think obviously the big thing with him is, I mean, it looks like he'll be a committee there. Jones should be the lead back. The big thing there is, does Aaron Jones get another contract with the Packers? If he doesn't, then you know, that might end up being a valuable pick. Oh yeah, I think either way it'll end up being a valuable pick because. Mm-hmm. Even if William, if one of the two that were drafted together, Jones mm-hmm. or Williams, end up going to another team, mm-hmm. yeah. I I think they'll continue just based on their skill sets to have successful careers in yeah. the NFL. Yeah. Okay. Part of that is I don't I don't rate the QBs overly high just since we're a one QB league. I don't see him as being mm-hmm. that valuable. If this was super flex, he probably would have been, you know, he should have been a top three pick if this was super flex, but it's not. So I had him all the way down at 16. Kevin took him at seven. Kevin needed a quarterback, so I won't give him too much flack for that, though. Where do you see Burrow going higher? Where did you have him? Well, I mean, I saw him going as high as first overall. Mm-hmm. So, or, or possibly at third. Okay. That third pick, I thought. That was a big debate for me when I was in that oh, all right. position. All right. Was do I stay there and, you know, either the place, person I wanted the most was uh, Jonathan Taylor. Yep. But not as much as I wanted to really lock down a young quarterback that I think would be successful. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Fair so, enough. So obviously there you'll, you start seeing some of the different strategies in the league where some people value positions more than others, quarterback being one of the tricky ones. Just like I said, I devalue them because you can only start one. But at the same time, we are still a six-point passing touchdown league. The quarterbacks can put up big numbers for you. Yes, and I, I, I would like to – I always want to continue that. I think that's mm-hmm. a good, unique yeah. scoring thing to have. Mm-hmm. Okay. Even though the industry in general is gone well. different. Yeah, pretty well. Four point most places. Yeah. Yep. So how about you got any more on that risers list? I didn't have any more that I really mm-hmm. that really stuck out to me. Yeah. Yeah. I had a couple more here. Well, really one more. I originally when I first looked at this after the draft, I had Antonio Gibson on my list. He went pick eleven to Travis. I had him rated as player nineteen on my board. So we went eight spots higher, but our draft occurred kind of in between the Darius Geis and the Adrian Peterson news. So I think at his, at my having him 19th on my board, I hadn't fully factored in Darius Geis being off the team yet. Then now you throw in Adrian Peterson being off the team. That's probably a good spot at pick 11. So I'm not going to give Travis any flack for that. That worked out for him. Um, my other yeah. would be 
Keyshawn Vaughn. Um, Andrew took Vaughn at pick eight. I had him as 15th on my board. I know this is a guy that was pretty scattered when you looked across different people across the fantasy football analyst industry. Some had him high, some had him lower. Um, he went seven spots higher than where I had him. And kind of based on how their preseason has gone here so far, it's looking like Vaughn's not going to be a big deal this first year or two. So I think that one was a bit high, especially considering some people that fell below that that I'm going to mention in our Pollers category. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's move on to guys that fell in the draft. People you thought went a lot lower than you expected. So sort of your value picks, people you thought got great value for a player. You have any of that stick out to you there? I mean, I facetiously want to say A.J. Dillon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> first one that stuck out to me was actually two attempts. Tua uh, going, oh, yeah. yeah, I thought he would go earlier than that. Okay. Um, just because. Uh, yeah, and he went number 18 in our draft, 18th overall. Yes. Yeah. 18th overall. So pick 2.08. Yep. Right, because I thought he was right up there with uh, Joe Burrow. Mm-hmm. So I figured once Burrow was off that he would soon be off. Yeah. Right after. But Yeah. And he, for me, Tua, and again, we kind of saw this on the Borough topic where I have quarterbacks a little bit lower, but uh, Tua went right about where I had him. I had him that I was thinking maybe I'd take him around that 19th pick. He went 18th, so that's right about where I thought he would fall. But for people that are a little more high on the quarterbacks, I could certainly see where you thought he fell down the board. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. I have about, let me see here, one, two, three, four. I have five players on my list that fell double-digit double positions from where I had them ranked. Plus, I have one more that fell six spots, but it was in the first round, so I'll get to that one. But okay. my big fallers, uh, some of them are the mid to late round guys, so it's not a huge deal. But one was K.J. Hamler. He went, he's a receiver with Denver. He went pick 42. I had him all the way up at number 24 on my board. Although I don't think oh, wow. I would have really taken him at 24. There's a lot of other players around there I was more intrigued by. That's just sort of where I had him. He's uh, going to be kind of buried behind Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy there in Denver. But he's a big speedster. He has a chance to pop. But he was 18 spots lower. Um, Cole Komet. There again, that's not a guy I was really going to draft. I had him as number 28, mostly just based on draft capital that the Bears spent on him. He went pick 40. I didn't like any of the rookie tight ends in this draft, so I think most people probably felt that way too, and that's why he fell. Um, A big one that I think was good value, though, was Dan at pick 44 got Joshua Kelly from the Chargers. I had him as 33 on my board, but I was ready to start climbing him up that board because if you look at it, I mean, they got Eckler there. He's going to be their uh, primary back, obviously. But when they had Eckler and Gordon in last year, there was a fair amount of split there, and both were productive. Both were startable fantasy assets. So I'm looking at it as maybe he doesn't get the full Gordon role, but Kelly could walk in there and take a good chunk of those carries that Gordon had, but Eckler still yeah. do his thing. He as, may, you know, he can be early and he can do all the receiving work, but Kelly he, could He pop. may take just, Justin uh, 
what yeah, Jackson spot. Yeah, Justin Jackson yep. spot. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think that could end up, especially getting him at pick 44. There's great value and potential in that pick. And a couple others I had, Antonio Gandy-Golden, that receiver with Washington. He's a guy I loved before the NFL draft even. Then he kind of fell down a little ways, went to Washington there. I had him at number 30 on my board. He went pick 41 to Lance, 11 spots mm-hmm. different. So I thought he got good value there. But those were all my double-digit ones. One of my big ones, though, as we mentioned earlier, with first-round picks being more valuable. I, at pick nine, was shocked to see J.K. Dobbins sitting on the board, the Baltimore mm-hmm. running back. I Oh, my gosh. I had him. I was freaking you out. too? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I was, I, yeah, sorry, I I was freaking out when I saw that. Yeah, I I had him on my board as the number three player. I had Hilaire, yeah. Edwards Hilaire one, Taylor two, and I had Dobbins at three before C.D. Lamb. So seeing him fall that far, I had worked before the draft, you know, going back a little ways, I had, you had the third pick originally and traded it to Lance eventually, but I had discussed well, trades for that third pick with you (laughs) and with the idea of going up there and saying if i'm pick three i can get jk dobbins or if for some reason somebody did something that i wasn't expecting i could get taylor which would have been this case but then you traded it to lance and i proceeded to have conversations with lance about the number three pick and we never quite got it over the finish line for a trade and i decided you know i have a pretty strong roster i'll just sit back see how the draft falls it was pretty set to just take Rager or Jefferson with that pick nine. But then I kept watching Dobbins slide down the board, slide down the board. And I was getting ready. I was on the edge of my seat ready to try and trade up, you know, like <laughs> at number six, number seven, number eight. I was like, I got to trade up and get him. He's an off and let him settle in. And part of it was Andrew had three first round picks. And he, um, with pick four and five, took um, DeAndre Swift and Cam Akers. And then he was before me. Was he one pick before me at eight? Yeah, so he picked Mm -hmm. again at number eight. Yep. So I started holding off. Then when I saw him take Swift and Akers, I was sitting there and I said, well, I'd like to trade up and get Dobbins. But Jerry Judy was still on the board, and I love Jerry Judy. And then I also had Jefferson Rager. So I was like, you know what, I'll just sit and see what happens. So Judy went, Earl went, so it got to Andrew at eight. And I thought about trading up, but then I looked at it and I said, you know, he already took Swift and Akers and passed on Dobbins. I don't know if he's going to take him at eight. He must not have – he must have something he doesn't like about Dobbins. Sure enough, he takes Bond. Dobbins falls right in my lap, and I was absolutely thrilled with that pick. That was a no-brainer for me. I was, th- I was thrilled there. Um, that's So that's probably my biggest faller was Dobbins and then all those other guys kind of in those mid to late rounds. But you have anybody yep. else of note that sticks out for fallers? No, I didn't actually because I – part of this is I can justify any of these players yeah. being picked yeah. wherever they went to. No, I didn't have anything that really stuck out. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think we can kind of move on here to our next topic then kind of moving off of the single players and let's start to looking at the teams themselves, the managers in this league and how they did in the draft. Who did you see as a member of the league or two that had the best draft for needs for kind of immediacy? They had a weak position. They really needed to plug holes there or get some talent there. Who took care of that business? 
uh, Andrew. Mm-hmm. I, he, he was on yeah. the top of my list too. Yeah. Yeah. He, then he, you know, he got rid of certain valuable older players to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Before the draft. So. Yeah. He made some pretty quality trades to get a lot of draft capital there early. Obviously, he had three first round picks. So he made some big trades. Uh, one of them, he fleeced Jacob for a pick, I think. <laughs> Again, I don't want to lay oh. into Jacob here. That No, that he did for that pick number four for David Johnson. That no. That was time a, will tell. Yeah, time will tell. But I thought that was pretty. I, I know. Pretty I know cheap. Johnson has some tread on the tire. Yeah, and he's in a good position to do well. Well, and here's a big thing: they but, made that trade before John. That was in February. They made that trade before David Johnson got oh. traded to the Texans. So that was still when he'd already been kind of shoved behind Drake in Arizona. True. But, hey, like I said, time will tell there. And I don't want to pile on Jacob. He's been competitive in this league before. I just don't think he had the best of off seasons. But back on Andrew here, I mean, you look at his running back room got pretty devastated. One, I mean, he lost right off the top because of COVID opt-out. He lost Damian Williams along with them drafting Edwards Hilaire. So Damian Williams took a big dent in value. His other backs, he had Lamar Miller. Curion Johnson got swift drafted with them, and Johnson's been in and out. Devin Singletary got Zach Moss drafted to compete with them. He had Darwin Thompson, Darrell Williams with KC kind of backups. He has Jordan Howard with Miami, so that's a good spot. He made that trade in the offseason to acquire him. But And he had Reichwell Armstrong with Jacksonville. So, I mean, he was struggling at running back, and he loaded up first-round picks. He's got DeAndre Swift, Cam Akers, and Keyshawn Bond now. If he hits on two of those three, that would be great for him. If he hits on one, mm-hmm. hey, he's got a starting running back, you know. So I think Swift and Akers, those are good picks. Vaughn, like I said, I thought he went a little high there. See how that shakes out. But regardless, mm-hmm. Andrew needed running back help. He made the moves to go and load up on running backs. Um, anybody else you have that did really good on drafting for need? Mm. He was my primary one. I think I put him over everybody else. I had a, yeah, I had a definitely a side note for Kevin. He needed a long-term QB, and he went and got Joe Burrow. So that probably explains part of where I thought he reached. But you know what? He really needed QB looking at his roster because he was sitting right. on who all was he sitting on? He has Cam Newton, who's now in New England's QB. But nonetheless, you know that was still but on a flux but when on he a drafted what? a one-year yeah, deal. One year. So that's in flux. He has Minshew with Jacksonville, but they're had some promise, but who knows where that's going. He has Foles with Chicago. So he had three guys who might not be starters next year. So <laughs> it was good for him to go and get Burrow. Then also, I mean, you know, he picked- was a little short on wide receiver depth too, and he picked up T. Higgins and Chase Claypool in good spots. So he, he had a good draft for needs, I think. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, I mean, how- to toot my own horn, but, yeah, I mean, just based on um, – the amount of running backs I drafted. Yeah. If I was just trying to reach out there and get a few, that'll hit. Mm-hmm. At least one. So. Yeah. And I thought you had an interesting strategy in the draft, a different take than uh, most people usually do. In that he's one of those outside wide receivers, and he might he might do well there in yeah. Los Angeles. Was he on your roster stuff though? He yeah, I did cut him. 
because yeah. I out of necessity I wanted to keep other people. Yeah, so. yeah. But you you didn't take him early in the draft though, so he's later picked nope. that you can cut him there. So yep. Yep. All right. How Thanks. about best drafts for value? So this kind of hits on those that fallers note earlier, but just people who somebody in the draft, a manager that really took advantage of guys sliding down the border, did a good job with the picks they had of getting some talent. <laughs> well, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a compliment for having J.K. Dobbins fall yeah, right yeah. there. Yeah, I mean that, <laughs> that one that one was almost that one was complained about. I was like, oh my goodness, I can't believe this guy's falling here. So yeah, I'll take. But that. then. But then Dan also with his, you know, we mentioned before with the Joshua Kelly pick, mm-hmm. late in the fifth round. Wow, who else here? Did you have anybody who yeah, stood out to you? Actually, I had uh, Lance. That's one of my best guys for value, partially because um, he'd done some trading the past couple of years, so he's a little low on draft picks, anyways. And then he did a little bundle to get up to pick three with you. But so mm-hmm. he had pick three overall. After that, he didn't draft again until pick 33, so the fourth round. So basically, right. he had no second rounders, no third rounders. But regardless of that, I think he did well because first off, at pick three, his dream scenario happened where Jonathan Taylor actually fell to him there. Because when I was talking to Lance about the draft and trying to trade up to that number three pick, we were kind of phrasing it more as a draft day trade, in the moment trade. In the case that Edwards Hilaire went one, Taylor went two, and then Lance wasn't as comfortable with the value of the pick he would have been willing to trade out. Um, obviously, C.D. Lamb went two, Taylor fell to him, he took Taylor. So if he got great value there at number three, it should mm-hmm. be a good player, you know. Um, right. But then, you know, after that, you look, okay, he has no second rounder, no third rounder. Is Taylor going to be the only guy he gets out of this draft? Then in the fourth round, he gets Devin DuVernay, who's a receiver I very much liked and in Baltimore's system. You look at kind of how Baltimore worked last year in that slot position, it was actually mm-hmm. very valuable in the Baltimore offense and got a lot of targets in the red zone. And that's where DuVernay would fit in. So I think that's a good pick. You know, it never hurts to take a player in one of the top offenses in the league. And then in the fifth round, he got gained Golden, which I mentioned earlier in the Fallers. I would have – I had Gandy Golden on my board in the third round. And just based on how some players were falling of other guys I wanted, mainly I was looking to get Hayden Hurst. And I actually took Hayden Hurst later. I took him at the back of the third round when I wanted to take him at the top of the third round with picks that I had there. But other guys had fallen, so I bumped Hurst back a spot and then got to that pick. And I was looking at Gandy Golden, but I really wanted Hurst, so I took Hurst, and I didn't have a fourth-round pick. Otherwise, you know, Gandy Golden would have been on my team and watch him fall all the way to the fifth. I I thought that was a great value for Lance. So I give him credit for having three picks and coming away with one surefire guy and two receivers that I think in time can have quite a bit of value for his team. I agree. All right, so that brings me to kind of one of the big ones. So best overall draft. Who do you think had the best draft day? So factoring in, you know, had good picks, had value, filled needs, that just kind of hit all of the, checked all the boxes. Who had the best day to you? I mean, 
Travis did a pretty good job. He had a lot of needs, and he reached in there and got got what he could out yep. of every pick. So, yep, I'd agree with that. I had uh, I didn't put him as my number one best overall draft. I have somebody else in that spot, but mm-hmm. I did look at Travis for that spot. I think Travis is somebody I would mention as an honorable mention there. Um, yeah, because he had, like you said, he got players that were immediate impact, and he got high upside guys for the future. Um, yep. Helps you sent him number one overall. He got Clyde Edwards Hilaire, who is getting drafted in the top ten of redraft leagues right now, not dynasty leagues. Right. Single season redraft. Right. I mean, you can get that in a rookie draft. That's just I mean, right away, that's a win. But then he got Antonio <laughs> Gibson where everything's falling in place for him. You know, and you got Brian Edwards, who's a guy I thought had a lot of upside and I really loved. I almost Yep. I look back on the draft, and I took uh, Rugs there kind of in the middle of the second round because he fell to me there. I had Rugs kind of at around pick 11 for a value. I think I took him at 16. I didn't really want to take him at 11, but since he fell to 16, I was like, okay, yeah, you know, I'll grab him. But kind of looking at it, I'd almost rather have Edwards right now with the news coming <laughs> out of Las Vegas. I think that guy's going to be a value. So. Yeah. Like I said, Crowder, that's a guy he can flex immediately in PPR. Hey, man, it's the Raiders, and you've got the fastest day, so yeah, yeah, magic will oh. happen. Yeah. <laughs> Al Davis may be dead, but they still draft the fastest guy. Right. Yeah. And then, yeah, with uh, like we mentioned before, he added Jamison Crowder. His team was kind of a scrap heap. He needed a lot of help. Crowder's a guy he could flex immediately, you know, with that PPR. Mm-hmm. Um, he got Boston Scott late, who's a good handcuff to Sanders. Might even be playing right away if Sanders doesn't start. So, yeah, right. I'd agree with you, well, Travis. I think, I think no matter what, Boston Scott is going to have a role. Yeah, as a change yeah, of pace. Absolutely. So, absolutely. Yeah, he's not going to be a workhorse, yep. but he's going to be a part of that committee. Yep. And if yeah, Sanders is out, he becomes an even bigger role. So, right. Pretty yeah. awesome. So I'd agree. Yeah. Uh, Travis had a good day. My number one, though, who I said had the best overall draft, and I'm going to phrase it as draft date because I'm going to factor his trades into it, but was Dan. I had Dan at the top. And oh, yeah. I think it starts with his draft date trade with you, honestly, I, which I won't say you lost the trade. I think it was a good trade for both of you. And I can pull that up and tell everybody what the trade was here. That was a painful trade for me because I really didn't want to give up (laughs) Uh, Tyler Lockett. I was comfortable starting both DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Especially because you had just traded for Lockett with Lance in that. Yeah. But I didn't see any other player that I could trade him that he would accept. So, I mean, I suppose I could have asked, but I didn't. I think this might be one of those rare trades that might be fairly even and beneficial to both teams in the long run. We'll see how it shakes out. But One of my players is going to end up either retiring early, <laughs> having some legal issue, or well, injured. So, well, and Dan's had that issues, too. He's had the most sort of players up and retire early on him. Up know. and retire. Yeah, that's yeah. true. That's true. So, but that pick, so um, just, Conrad, you thought I'd make a, make a joke. Yeah. You guys traded that morning on draft day before the draft, and the trade was Dan sent you Aaron Rodgers, Kareem Hunt, uh, 
and a third Second round pick next year. Second round pick, which was 2.02, so that's pick 12. And yep. a third rounder next year. Um, you sent him Tyler Lockett, Tariq Cohen, and the 1.06, sixth overall pick. So I thought that was a good trade by Dan because you look at it on the surface. He sent you Aaron Rodgers, but Dan had Mar Jackson, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers. He needed to trade a quarterback to help his team because he right. his team's hurt, you know. So he needed to trade a quarterback to help out. So Rodgers is in a loss for him because he doesn't need to start Rodgers. He just plugs Jackson and lets him go. Um, and he, Tyler Lockett, who's immediately his second best receiver behind AJ Brown, so immediate plug and play wide receiver there for him. He filled a hole. On top of that. Um, you know, he got Tariq Cohen, you got Kareem Hunt. I think Kareem Hunt's a better player. They both do similar things. You know, they're both doing third down work. Kareem Hunt does more first and second down work. He'll actually get a full series himself. And the big difference there is if David Montgomery goes down, Tariq Cohen's job basically stays the same. If Nick Chubb goes down, Kareem Hunt becomes a top 10 running back. So that's right. a big difference. That's where I think the trade is in your favor. But then also Dan, you know, got another first round pick and number six. So he loaded up on a high talent player, which is what he mm-hmm. needs to do right now. His team's not good. He's not competing immediately. He needs to blow up, load up on early high round picks. So I thought that was a good move by him. And then you roll into his actual draft. And you know, right off the top, you look at his roster and receiver probably was his weakest spot. You know, he had A.J. Brown and then he added Lockett in that trade. But everybody, almost, almost everybody on this receiver depth chart was somebody that he could just drop. And if he dropped them, I don't know if anybody's going to pick them up. That's how poor they were. So he has A.J. Brown. He has Tyler Lockett. Then he goes ahead with those two first-round picks and grabs CeeDee Lamb and Jerry Judy, the two best receivers in this draft, two very highly touted guys that have a really good chance of being a hit. Their chance of failure is smaller than most players in this draft. So he's, I mean, he's set. He's got two guys he can start right away in Lockett and Brown. And he's got Lamb and Judy, who might be starters this year. If not, he's, They could be studs in two, three years, and he could be loaded at receiver. So I think he did a great job there, filled immediate needs with with the trade. He got depth for the future, and then he backed that up, you know, like I said, with those late-round values of Hamler and Kelly, who he can easily stick on his roster. Somebody goes down, those guys all of a sudden become a guy he can start, and it's all around good. He improved immediately. He improved his team for the future, and it was great moves by him. I thought he had a great draft day. Mm-hmm. I agree. So that brings us to our next subject, which we didn't have a great term for it, and I think you named it. We're just basically calling it the what the hell were they thinking draft. <laughs> so who was your guy on here for that was just out of left field that is like, what, what is going on here? What's where's this guy coming from (laughs) okay i'm gonna answer this in an interesting way because i'm gonna look try to look at it 
from the perspective of everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, early on draft day, I trade down, you know, mm-hmm. or, you know, before draft day. Yeah. You I traded trade, out. Pick traded, traded down already out of pick three to pick six. To pick six. And people, but then on draft day, I pit, trade out of the first round. And people trade like, out six to twelve. Yeah, so you went like, three to six. You didn't like twelve, right? Yeah. And then, and then I go ahead and draft a player early. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, um, I'm sure it turned some heads, but yeah. in the way, in the way that I look at the long term, uh, it made sense to me. So yeah, yeah, yeah. and. Hey, I had even considered just taking AJ Dillon with the third overall pick, mm-hmm. and that really would have turned some heads. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I figured that, that yeah, that would have been a big reach. I'd be giving you some crap. <laughs> oh yeah, and this way I at least figured I could get some additional players mm-hmm. that I needed on my roster. So yeah, but you look at it essentially. Yeah. I'm looking at those two trades you did. So the first trade with Lance was you got Tyler Lockett and pick six and you sent Lance pick three, Sam Darnold and a fifth rounder. So Sam Darnold's not a guy you necessarily needed. You got Josh Allen there and obviously you picked up Aaron Rodgers later. So that's not a big loss Mm -hmm. for you. And the guy sees ghosts anyways, apparently. So you didn't really need that on your team. And then... You turn around and trade Lockett, Cohen, and pick six to get Aaron Rodgers, Kareem Hunt, um, pick 12, plus a third rounder next year. Right. So in net, you traded from your original team, you traded Sam Darnold, pick three, and a fifth rounder. And in return, oh, and three, Cohen. And in return, you got Aaron Rodgers, Kareem Hunt, pick 12 and a pick next year right so i mean that doesn't look too bad right that's yeah i figured it it benefited us both so yeah yeah okay yeah i would say i don't know if it's a what the hell is a thinking thing but it was more an oddity as i kind of mentioned before was just how you basically took one rookie in the rookie draft and all the others were veterans that was the thing that stuck out to me i was like oh wow okay interesting strategy or different yeah not that there's that anything is. wrong with taking veterans i took no you know, I took but they're they're also rookie or you know veterans that have only been in the league one or two years yeah or exactly it's not like you took a so. eight-year guy you know yep. and, and you it, know what honestly that was those guys based off times. yeah and honestly it was because of where they were at versus the rookies that were around them yeah yeah i saw them at, actually having a role and possibly growing mm-hmm. into a bigger role yeah so and you know sometimes that pays off and i think i looked more at veterans this year than i did last year just because i started yeah. to see more how they could pay off one was hayden hurst i really wanted him just with the move mm-hmm. he made i think he's a good player he's behind mark andrews he's taking austin hooper's role i think he'll be fine there but then well, like i back remember when year, I remember when Hayden Hurst was supposed to be like the guy. Yeah, yeah. In, in Baltimore, so yeah, they Baltimore drafted him high. He's yep. has so. a lot of people behind him, but um, even last year, I looked kind of looked back last year at my uh, my rankings and the guys I had kind of as my targets on my list and stuff. And one guy I had on there 
I ended up not drafting late because those late picks I like to look at veterans just because they're a little sneaky there. They slip through the cracks sometimes, and, you know, by the get that fifth round on the rookies, you know, chances of them painting out is not great. But one guy yeah. I had on that list, I ended up not drafting him. He went to free agency with DJ Chark. But I had been eyeing him all offseason. I was like, you know, maybe I should draft this guy late and just have him. And then sure enough, you know, week one or two, whatever it was, he kind of blew up there. And I had already done my homework on him. So I instantly just said, yep, I'm getting him. I'm adding him. And obviously he's a pretty valuable player now. You know, he's right. top, you know, I don't know, 50-ish, 60-ish player in fantasy football right now. So you look for those guys, and that's kind of my thought process on um, Juan Hurst, but also there in the fifth round, I took Anthony Miller with Chicago to see if he could kind of have the same sort of thing. I was a little disappointed to hear Trubisky is going to be starting week one. I was hoping that would be Foles, and that helped Miller out. But. Eh, don't worry. Before the end of the first game, it'll be Foles. Yeah. So, <laughs> so we'll see what happens there. But, yeah. So, yeah, I think he definitely had an interesting strategy there. But um, my – what the hell are they thinking draft? Was Jacob. As I mentioned before, I don't think he had the best offseason. And I don't want to dog on him because, like I said, he's been competitive in this league before, but I just did not understand his offseason this year. So I'm going to leave this off just with way before the draft, back in February, trading a first rounder for David Johnson. I did not think he was worth the number four pick. So I thought Andrew got a fabulous deal there. But moving into his actual draft, so with his first pick, which was in the second round, I think, where did he pick? Was it pick 14? Let me double check. Yeah, pick 14, he took Brandon Ayuk. That was maybe a couple spots higher than I had Ayuk, but with Debo Samuel, news of him kind of working through the broken foot and this, that, and another, I thought it was perfectly fine for him to take Ayuk there. He's going to get work. And basically well, every especially... single San Francisco receiver this offseason has been on the injury list, so. It's, I think that's going to be just fine. But guys that went behind Ayuk, I had Ruggs, Pittman, Higgins, all kind of ahead of Ayuk on the list, and they went behind him. That's fine, though. I mean, it wasn't terrible. I mentioned the Aquanimus St. Brown in the third round. I have no idea where that was coming from. Um, Then, (laughs) yeah, pick 32, so 4.02. He took Teddy Bridgewater. He had... He already had four QBs on his roster, and at least three of them are better than Teddy Bridgewater. <laughs> so I had no idea why he's taking Bridgewater there. I mean, I'll pull it up for you here his roster quick. He traded with you to get Josh Allen. Right. He has Matt Ryan. He had Daniel Jones. I would well, absolutely start those three before Bridgewater. He didn't trade for Josh Allen until until long after, after the draft. Okay, so yeah. he had and in that trade with the after the draft, he sent Goff yep. to you and got Allen plus some other players were in there. So he had Jared Goff, Matt Ryan, yeah. Daniel Jones, and Trubisky at the time. Yep. And I would have started Goff, Ryan, and Jones over Bridgewater every day of the week. Mm-hmm. I didn't quite understand using a pick on Bridgewater there. And then after that, I think he had one more pick in the fourth round. He took. Uh, Especially when he could have had Jordan Love right there instead yeah. of Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, yeah. He's a Packers fan. He should have taken him, right? <laughs> yeah, he should have. Yeah. And then in the fourth round, he took Eric Ebron. You know, he's in new scenery, so it might pan out. That's, I won't blame him there. Like I said, fourth, fifth round, I won't blame somebody for taking a veteran, but 
nonetheless, some of those other, that couple of those trades and then the quantum of St. Brown where he took a Bridgewater, those just really threw me off. So I don't think he added <laughs> value to his team this offseason. So I'm going to, I'm going to put him in the category. And you can okay. go out me wrong. That's, you know, that's what you're supposed I, to do. I, I think we're going to be pleasantly surprised by that. Yeah. Economist yeah. St. Brown, just because mm-hmm. of his rookie year, he was the one who built the most rapport with, with Aaron Rodgers. And yeah. uh, we'll see. You know, he was out part, last year. Part of that is probably so. the homer in me that really wants Alan Lazard to be the number two there. So, oh, for sure. Being, you know, our Iowa State guys. So we want yeah. Lazard in there. Oh, speaking of Iowa State guys, I was kind of brokenhearted when I heard Hakeem Butler got cut by yeah, the they, yeah. Arizona. That kind of sucked for him. You know, he had that ring, that avulsion fracture in his hand last year that kept him out of his whole right. rookie year. And then, you know, they added DeAndre Hopkins and some others, and that was just a loaded receiver room. I think he lands. Yep. Or you would think he lands somebody and gets a shot. But oh. oh, yeah. I think so. But, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, we're getting off off track now. Sorry yeah, about that. yeah, that's okay. No, <laughs> tangents are fine. So that was most of the categories. I think kind of the rest of the guys we haven't mentioned. I think we went over most everybody's idea on that rest list, but we kind of hit yours there a little bit earlier. Um, yep. That kind of leaves me with Daniel, Nick, and myself. I haven't really hit on the three of us too much, and – Part of that's probably where the teams that finished first, second, and third last year. We have pretty deep rosters. We didn't have a lot of needs, so it doesn't really stick out when we draft somebody. But I think all, (laughs) you know, it just kind of is what it is. But I think all three of us got good value on highly talented guys by letting the draft fall to us. None of us were over aggressive. We didn't sell a lot to get up higher in the draft because we didn't necessarily need to. And some good players fell down to the board to all three of us. They're guys that we don't need to start any rookies right away. They can sit on our bench for a year or two, develop into a quality or stud player, and then we can trade off somebody to make room. You know, so I think all three of us handled the draft like somebody who's projected to be towards the top of the league should have. Don't need to be at that point. It wasn't anything flashy, but so I think that's most of the notes that I had on our draft. Anything else that sticks out to you? No, nothing from me. Yeah. Yeah. Ready for the season to get started? I think I uh, am. I know I am. I mean, I'm, I'm, I think I'll execute a couple more trades before it does. But... Yeah, yeah. try and move a couple more guys <laughs> and check and see who else cut and who's on that waiver wire and see if there's anything good. I know I'll have to make a couple uh, moves just because I'm cutting my kicker, so I need to probably pick up a new one before uh start of the year or this yeah start of week one happens just because i couldn't decide who else to cut so i just cut the kicker and i don't have one right now so sometimes you gotta do what you gotta do yeah yeah i don't really care too much about the kickers i can just pick anybody up right that can be a streamer position yeah exactly so we'll see what happens Preseason preview one in here, looking at people's rosters and uh, whatnot, projecting who's going to do well, who's going to do poorly. If we get to that, cool. If not, that's okay. But I think going forward, yep. we'll just try and do one of these just kind of as they come. I don't know if it'd be an every week thing throughout the season or not, but maybe every yep. other week and kind of review what's happening in the league and who's doing what and 
just keep people up to date. And I think we're going to leave this pretty open-ended that uh, anybody in our league, you know, we got 10 members there. They can join this podcast from time to time and kind of talk what they're seeing going on in the league and what they're kind of doing with their rosters. You know, some people probably won't want to come on because they don't want to give away what they're doing. But, you know, at this point, I, I'm not too worried about it. You know, I kind of know who my guys are and, yeah, yeah. I usually do a lot of research, so if somebody snags a guy in front of me, I always have a backup plan. So, well, I'm such a wild card that yeah, you never know what they're going to do. I mean, yeah, exactly. You're, you're the trade master of our league. I just kind of <laughs> wow. I'm the one sitting there. Wild yeah, card. Wow, wow. <laughs> I was looking at our trade record the other day and kind of did some totaling up on there. You know, and <laughs> I've got to be like the seventy-five. So since. Since the start of 2018, so when we made the switch to Dynasty, you have made 16 trades in total. <laughs> the second most trades is myself at eight, then Lance at seven. Everybody else is pretty much at five or under. But so I mean, you by far. I mean, you you've made the most trades by far. <laughs> yeah. Not all of them have been great, but it's yeah. been fun. Yeah. It's always nice. So it's trades are trades are the one of the most fun things about dynasty and that's the beauty of dynasty is it kind of forces you to do trading if you really want to make moves on your roster or make significant impact immediately you know you you got to do those trades yep definitely and keep an eye on the waiver wire because there's some quality players out there still yeah there um, are that weren't drafted yeah how about that that'd be a quick thing did you have anybody that went undrafted that's sitting out there as free agents that you're kind of like well, I'm going to plead the fifth. You don't have to. You, know. you say you don't have to. No, you I'm just like, no, players. no. It, it, everybody else will be able to look and figure this out mm-hmm. too. But, you know, Baker Mayfield sitting out there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think and, he's the highest rated guy in terms of redraft ADP that is not currently yes. in our league. Yep. And I think he's also the highest rated dynasty player who's still mm-hmm. sitting out That's there. Not rostered in our league. Yeah. Oh, it's not a roster. Yep. And then uh, Paris Campbell was also there, but, mm-hmm. you know, never know. You know, I rostered him a couple times last year, and it never quite panned yep. out. He's, he's one I had on my list there, too. I think he uh, – I think that covers most of our topic for today of addressing the draft. Um, we'll try and do another one of these sometime, see how it works, see if maybe we'll do a – he was one of the veterans I was tracking and think might do something. I never really got around to taking him. It just, right. yeah, just because I was a little higher on Anthony Miller than him. But I think Paris Camp is a guy that has a chance to kind of pop there. Um, yep. Who else did I have? Uh, Those were the two that stuck out yeah, to me. I had Brashard Perriman. I wasn't going to take him, but kind of the Crowder argument. Somebody in New York has to catch a pass, right, for the Jets, so. You know, uh, Brashard Perriman is a guy that I drafted as a rookie when we were a redraft league in college. Or when yeah. you, I don't even think this was with the league. It was just one of our college. Uh, yep. Mm-hmm. And I drafted him, and I really needed him to do well, and he never did. So uh, I will never roster him, ever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I yeah. do hold that grudge. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, he was not too good in his Ravens days, though. So. Um, no. One guy that 
just popped up. But it's, it's good to see him doing well now. So yeah, yeah. This is kind of a post draft thing, just with things that have happened over the past, you know, a couple of days, a few days. Um, yeah, yeah. Devin Especially Ozigbo, with the Devin Ozigbo with Jacksonville is right. a agent, and I mean, Leonard Fournette got traded. Uh, Ryquel Armstrong starting on the lead year on the COVID list. Somebody's got to carry the ball there. You got Chris Thompson, but he's the third down guy. But kind of it's kind of Devin Ozigbo right now. Um, I saw Devonta Freeman's apparently visiting with Jacksonville, so maybe he fills that spot. But I mean, that would be a sneaky guy to go grab. And of course, it's the waiver wire. There's going to be people that come out of nowhere that pop off, and you're like, "Ooh, is this? Right. I don't care. He just scored three touchdowns. I'm going to take him." You know, <laughs> undrafted free agent. Whatever. Yeah. Let me get yeah. him. Who cares? He's mine. Yeah. <laughs> He's a baller. Yeah. Let's grab yeah. him. <laughs> Exactly. All right. Well, I think that's all we got for you this time around. Um, we'll put some more of these out in the future and just kind of roll with it, see how frequent they come, and have a moving cast of characters in here to talk about our league. And again, this is just a podcast about our league. We're not specifically an NFL podcast or trying to give you fantasy analysis. This is just simply a way for our league to communicate with each other and kind of get out there and provide some info and some banter. So if you enjoy mm-hmm. listening to it, just kind of bookmark us, pay attention, and see if we get some others out. Um, again, if you're looking for fantasy advice, you might want to move elsewhere because a couple of us are good at it. Some of us are not. So <laughs> <laughs> you never know what you're going to get. depends on who's on that week for the podcast. But, I mean, if you're looking for trade advice uh... – yeah, I would go else. I would yeah. go elsewhere because I deal more in okay. volume than advice on how to get a trade over the finish line and volume of trades. You'd be a guy to talk to. So, <laughs> yeah. All right. Yep. Well, Conrad, thank you for joining me for this inaugural podcast. We'll try and crank some more of these out in the future. And in the meantime, good luck with the season. Good luck, everybody. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. Yeah.